Hello and welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis. I'm David and I'm here with Rob. Hi. James. Hello. And Jamie. Hello. And we have a very cursed article to um, expose you all to. So hazmat suits at the ready, etc. But before we do that, um, let's just do some news nuggets, shall we? The thing that's got me particularly down tonight um, is the forthcoming deal. We're, get, we're doing Scott Paul. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry, audience. We're just going to have to go here. You can um, have little a Scott Paul as a treat. Yeah. <laughs> as medicine, I think. Like, we're going to need mm. some kind of sugar to make this one go down, because I think it's a particularly bitter pill. Um, get the tonic out. <laughs> I, basically. Uh, Spoonful of Buckfast makes the S&P SGP coalition go down, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the Scottish Green Party and the Scottish National Party are, have been in talks about forming a coalition that totally isn't a coalition. That's my assessment of it, right? Uh, the idea is they would follow the model of the New Zealand Greens and um, New Zealand Labour, whereby, you know, the Greens would go into not coalition, whereby their leaders would become ministers within the Scottish government, but they wouldn't be in coalition, right? It's very important to understand that they wouldn't be in coalition. No, they no, no, it's be... not important to understand it. It's important to just believe that. Well, it's a difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, the central the central idea behind it is that the Greens would be able to influence SNP policy and get better movement on climate and a variety of other issues, etc. And would be able to advocate and control an element of portfolio. Like, for example, I think there's talks around there being a, one of the Green Ministers being a Green Minister on climate change, etc., etc. Which all sounds good, except uh, everything about it, really. Um, because I don't think there's anyone in a million years will take a look at that and go, uh, it's, it's clearly not a coalition. Voters don't split hairs, basically. And what this will essentially do, in my estimation, is if it goes through, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, it's going to calcify the Scottish Green Party vote where it is, basically. Because, I mean, let's let's talk electoralism a second. I know your favourite topic, David. Um, hmm. If you're the Scottish Green Party, or any party, right, and you want to basically take power in Scotland... What do you mechanically need to do to make that happen? Win an election. Yeah. And at a base level, you win an election by convincing the majority of voters, or at least a polarity of them, um, to vote for you. Here's the thing. Where are the votes currently residing? Well, there's a whole bunch of unionist votes. They're, you know, you're probably not going to appeal to them if you have a Scottish Green Party. And so what you're left with is you're left with... SNP voters and disenfranchised voters who are like, well, I don't like the SNP, basically, and none of the other alternatives look very good. If you have a Scottish Greens and you go into coalition with the SNP, and again, it's, you know, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Why would an SNP voter switch their vote to Green? Because after all, hasn't, if you like, even if you like Scottish Green Party policies, you're like, no, it's a good thing that they're doing this. Why would you then be incentivized to switch your vote for SNP? Because the SNP have just done the thing you want them to do. They've adopted the best ideas the Scottish Greens had, right? You know, they've, they've taken on board the good that you wanted anyway. They've shown that they're able to compromise and be magnanimous and, you know, all that good shit. Why would you be incentivized to switch to the Scottish Greens? 
the answer is there's not really a, a reason there. There's no compelling reason. And then on the other perspective, if you're a disenfranchised voter who's like, ah, oh, man, I, I think that the electoral system doesn't really represent me. I don't think any of the parties on offer are very good. I don't like the SNP. Why on earth would you ever support the Scottish Greens if they are essentially in coalition and supporting a party um, that you don't like, you know? And it comes down to a fundamental fact that the Scottish Greens de facto will not really be able to criticise the SNP, because this is the other part of it. When you lie down with liberals, you get fleas. It's just yeah. a, it's an, it's an old adage. And um, if you enter into a coalition with another party, even if you call it something different, what the voters see is they see the following. Ah, oh, I see the, the Greens are working and closely collaborating with the SNP. I guess the SNP aren't that bad on climate after all. Otherwise, the Greens wouldn't be with them, right? And, uh, oh, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where, the, where Scottish Greens give criticism. But, I mean, their criticism can't really be that severe because if they really had strong criticism, then they wouldn't be working with them, right? That's how it works. You know, and... Also, there's well, I mean, what, what I don't understand fundamentally about this whole deal, apart from the dynamics of Scottish politics in general, it's just like <laughs> I don't understand how the Scottish Greens haven't learned the lesson that like every single minority, quote unquote, progressive party or even non-progressive party learns when they go into coalition with a much bigger, stronger force, I mean, which they... is you get to eat all the buckets of shit and nobody thanks you for it. You know, that's I mean, just, they, they the haven't... history's littered with the examples of this happening. Yeah, and they, I mean, to be totally honest, the Irish Greens have kind of done this in a much worse way, like full credit where it's due. The SNP are not as bad as the people the Irish Greens got into bed with, right? They're basically Tories, the ones they got into bed with. But even, there is a, there's a close-to-home example of this. I mean, if you look at New Zealand, right... You can see it's not been great for the New Zealand Greens policy advocation. Ah, you know, they... but their vote share went up at the next election. How much by, David? It doesn't matter because the other fucking part of the coalition with now have a majority and they're effectively powerless and useless now. <laughs> yeah, right. It, proportional vote share didn't really change. In fact, it got worse. And what's worse is that the, the New Zealand Greens' ability to actually advocate for serious policy was effectively neutered, because here's the thing. If you're... Day-to-day, you're working with a Liberal government, right? Let's just picture this. You're you're in chambers with them, you're having conversations on policy, and they propose a bunch of Liberal shit, but you're like, mm, I don't really like this very much. They then turn around and go, well, it's a shame we can't collaborate on these issues because we were thinking of doing this thing and dangle a carrot at you in terms of policy, but it'd be very difficult to convince our members to do that if you can't compromise on these particular issues. And even if you can't come to compromise positions, it does moderate the degree to which you're able to go in on them. And does it in two ways. Number one is, it's very hard, it's very hard to go hard in on someone who you have to have a working relationship with. It's just a fact of life, right? Everyone, even if you think your co-worker is a prick, right, you do not tear into them on a regular basis if you have to work with them because it's just going to make your life dysfunctional. Politics is kind of that writ large, let's be real. And then the second part of it is fundamentally, even when you do go in, the strength of your criticisms is, shall we say, it's undermined. Because we're facing a prospect, and we'll talk about whether this will come to pass or not in a minute. We're facing the prospect of the Scottish Greens talking loudly about the necessity of urgent action on climate change, which is correct, while in a government with a political party that's doing the things they're criticising. 
and supporting the government of that political party that's doing the things they're criticizing. Love oil fields. I love them. But, I mean, you know, you don't have to be a genius. In fact, you just need to be an ordinary person in the street to go, something doesn't add up there. If it's serious, why are you supporting these people who are doing the things that you say are the root of all these problems, right? And either way, it's just, you know, either it wasn't that big an issue to begin with, or it is a big issue, but you're, you know, basically a hypocrite. And it's not a good look. It's really not a good look. And meanwhile, the SNP get to go, look, we're good on climate. We're with the Scottish Greens. We're making good progress. Yeah, we've got, we got some Greens. Look at the Greens. They're right here. Yeah. Look at them. Just look at them. The, the deal will greenwash the SNP really quite tremendously. And honestly, what the Scottish Greens are getting in return for it are some short-term policy gains. And long-term... Maybe. Ele- well, well, I'm going to give the benefit of doubt and say that the stuff that's in the agreement is probably going to come to pass. Right? I'll I give am- them credit. I am simply not because I know what the SNP's record is like on things we will promise and then take fucking forever to do. It's like what four parliaments later now, and we still don't have council reform or some shit. So you know, I, I want to be fair. I always try and be fair on these things. And the difference is I will when never the SNP be fair to liberals. Ah, well, when the SNP promise the electorate, once they're voted in, they really don't have to pay much attention to them. However, if the SNP promise a political party on whose votes they are dependent to be able to do their agenda, then there's actually leverage that can be forced to make them sign the checks, basically. That leverage, though, is balanced against the willingness of the Greens to cause trouble. Well, thereby hangs a tail, doesn't it? Yes. Because the, um, the, there's, you can view it on the Scottish Government website. None of it, what I'm talking about here is privileged to the Scottish Greens, of which I am a member, as everyone I think knows by now. Um, I had no idea. This yeah. is the first time I've ever heard <laughs> Revelation. Um, like, the, there is a working agreement, and then there is a document on their agreed policy agenda for government, essentially. And the, um, the, the, the working agreement is very interesting. Section 8 of it, excuse me, Section H of it, and the Annex... Um, are the two parts that are really kind of crucial. And basically, Section H establishes that there will be um, essentially collective responsibility for all ministers, right? Which will include the two leaders of the Scottish Greens. Um, And the assumption is that there is a carve-out of particular issues where those ministers are allowed to criticise the government. They're things that they just don't see eye to eye on and they agree to disagree. And so it's things on climate and various other, which are in the (laughs) annex, right? Yeah, right. Okay, you're laughing because you see where this is going. Um, So, okay, on some issues, the Scottish Green ministers in the Scottish government, the SNP Scottish government, will be able to criticise the SNP government for not going far enough, which is laughable on its face, but let's go with it. Um, What's really interesting about that agreement is it basically says that if it's not in the carve-out, we exercise collective responsibility. If there's a real issue then the leaders of the Scottish Greens, not the Scottish Green Party and its policy formation, that the leaders of the Scottish Greens get to sit down with Nicola and her deputy and try and hash out, uh, like, an agreement. And exceptionally, is the word that's used, if they can't come to an agreement, then it will get added to the annex. The default assumption is that apart from the things in the annex, they will agree to not criticise on everything else, which is basically the entire swath of liberal policy the SNP are going to put into practice. There's an attenuating effect. Now, I have had... And I think I'm fair to disclose this because it was a comment directed directly to me. I have had a representative of the Scottish Green Party tell me, well, you're misreading that because that only binds, and I love this, that only binds the ministers, the Scottish Green ministers. The rest of the Scottish Green group in Parliament are going to be able to say what they like. Oh, that's good. Hang on. Right, so there's going to be two ministers. 
How many seats short of a majority are the SNP? Uh, last I checked, wasn't it one, David? Or yes, two? yes, it was. Yes, yeah. so they still have an effective majority. Well, it's Excellent. it's 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 worse than that, though, because actually, <sighs> politely, that's bullshit. Right, the Green Group is led by two leaders who are ministers and who are bound by collective responsibility. Are you seriously telling me that if Green members in Parliament start criticising the SNP and its workings, they're not going to get pressure from the Green leadership or the parliamentary group to sure they tamp it down? No, I'm like, sure. They, I'm sure they won't. If it's you, all there in writing. It's fine. It's allowed. They can well, do but this is the thing. There's like you know, I'm I'm firmly I firmly believe you do not listen to what people say. You look at what's actually written and agreed, and then you ask how it will actually be applied. And what's written and agreed says collective responsibility for ministers. Fine. But there's no earthly world in which, where that's actively applied, that doesn't put a chilling effect on the actual Green Group in Parliament's ability to criticise. No way. Not at all. You know? Because you can just, you can see it. Like, <clears throat> listen, listen, parliamentarian, I understand that this thing the SNP is doing is bad, but it's making it very difficult and frosty for us when we're in discussions about these things which we think are good. So could you tone it down a bit? And right there you lose. Because even if there are some criticisms, they will be toned down. They will be moderated yeah. by this. Well, I am here for the um, as promised uh, radical socialist green MSPs that that will defy this and cause problems and generally fuck about. I don't know. Uh, like I, I have a lot of respect for two of the MSPs in particular. One of them I consider a, a pretty good friend. I don't know whether they will be able to, honestly. Um, and I don't say that as a criticism. It's a very difficult position they're finding themselves put in. I'm not speaking on their behalf here. This is just me <clears throat> empathising. I don't yeah, actually yeah, no, know of course. Um, how they feel just about it. But my advice would simply be to fuck around and find out. <laughs> I mean, I I actually certainly would endorse that because here's the thing, I don't if if this deal goes through, and I think we're now ready to talk about that, then I think the Scottish Green Party are basically done as anything other than a soft left party that will make incremental improvements to the hard boot of capitalism. I mean, oh dear, how sad, never mind. Like the, the Dutch Green Party was offered a chance to go into the last coalition, i.e. the current government, and they said no because they said we, we were afraid we would get stomped on and eaten. And I think if you look at the current Dutch government, they would they were entirely correct in that assessment, even though like all the columnists said, oh, this is a mistake because now the Green Party can't say they can't show off that they're the adults at the table. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, if you buy into the adults at the table, bullshit, you're losing. Sorry. And yep. I know that's a very, that is a harsh criticism of a lot of people in the Scottish Greens approach to politics, but they're wrong. They just, they need to learn being an adult gets you nowhere. Exactly. You... Listen, to, listen to the children at the microphones instead. Being yes. an adult, being an adult gets you hard Brexit, as we saw with what happened during the whole fiasco in Westminster. Um, and the, the parliamentary games that were played where the adults in the room said, oh no, we can't have X, Y, and Z. We all have to be reasonable and grown up and adult and assemble our super coalitions, which will never work, etc. Like that is what adultism is in politics. It is, it is pure rhetoric and sophistry to disguise a liberal agenda. But anyway, I digress because despite... This despite is a wild it, digression into Scott Paul. Ah, uh, yeah, I know, but it's, it's worth covering. I was promised brief Scott Paul. <laughs> well, we're nearly done. Um, despite what you may have heard, this deal is not set in stone. The SNP executive have approved it, but due to, I don't know, some machinations in the Scottish Green Party constitution, wonder who put them there, this <laughs> has to be agreed by the Scottish Greens membership. And so an extraordinary general meeting of the Scottish Greens membership is happening this Saturday, 
where the Green members will sit down and vote on whether to accept this deal. Um, I fully expect this deal will pass because the party apparatus of the Scottish Green Party has not been neutral. It's been working overtime to push this deal. If you look at the Scottish Green Party Twitter, it's almost as though that deal is done, basically, based on what they've been saying, you know? They've been trumpeting how good it'll be and focusing very hard on it. And I have sight of their press releases <clears throat> through a contact and the press releases as well that I'm getting, again, from a media contact, I'm not getting this through the party. Um, they are also basically behaving as though the deal is done, talking about how great it will be essentially. And that's like, here's the thing, the, the leaders are meant to say this is a good idea because they've worked on it, but the party apparatus, I think, should be neutral, but it's certainly not showing it. So I strongly expect your average Scottish Green member... not neutral party apparatus? That's I know, right? All right? All. Yeah. I've never heard of such a thing. Like, if there is a, there's a whole question to ask that if the entire apparatus of an edifice is not neutral, does it matter if you give people a vote? Really? Um, mm. it's, it's the whole Rupert Murdoch question, isn't it? You know, if you, if you mm. poison the democracy by controlling what people hear, but give them the right to vote, are you really allowing them to like exercise true democracies? And it's a bigger question I can answer here. But the point is, I fully expect this will pass. I probably think, honestly, it's a good thing it'll pass. Not for the Scottish Green Party. And maybe not for, you know, the climate and for Scottish politics, frankly. But it's probably good from a left's perspective because it will ultimately bring out the contradictions in the Scottish Green Party and put them in the fore, and maybe one day that might mean another left party can come along. The thing is, um, yeah, the Ooh, thing I, is... We're, we're, we're thing, doing Labour personification, but north of the border, and twice kinda, for some oh, reason. <laughs> kind of, a little bit. I, do, I just, I don't know. I'm pretty dim-pilled right now, I'm not going to lie. It's, yes. it's, not, it's not a good situation. But, but... There's a lot to talk about, a lot more to talk about on it. And I think, David, we've agreed next episode, next week, we're going to do a Scott poll based yes. on what the result is. And we'll actually go yes. into detail of where we see things going. So We will. I have another party which has absolutely scorned me and I will absolutely seek to destroy. So, yes. <laughs> really, you're really regretting that Scottish Green vote, David. I, I vote can for tell. them fucking once, just fucking once, and this is how they repay me. <laughs> Cunts. Can we talk Ow. about something that none of us had any vote or say in? Please, God, we're... yes, please, take me away from so, this. Shall we talk about the royal family? But... Oh, for Foxy, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> that is not an improvement, Rob. Uh, and a specific member of the royal family. Uh, oh. This is how we know. Is it Andrew? Has he been entertaining? Kids again. <laughs> no, this is the fact that we live in a modern, stable uh, democracy. It's, that's the fact that we know that the head of state, Queen Elizabeth II, has chosen to protect her son um, from certain charges being made against him in the United States. And the reason we know this is that she had decided not to relieve him of his prestigious honorary commands of different army regiments. Oh, sorry, gets, can I... He gets to keep his fancy hat, which he can wear at a jaunty angle while entertaining kids. So, sorry, <laughs> can I just uh, can, I, can I just check, Rob, Rob? We're talking about Prince Andrew who is, she's saying she, want, she wants him to keep all these these honours and roles, despite the fact he is, and this is factually true on the record, we are not alleging this, this is a matter of fact, Prince Andrew is being sued in federal court for alleged sexual abuse of a child. It's a, that, that particular current latest suit is a civil suit, so it's not, I'm not sure if it's in the federal court or not, but that's a civil suit. But yeah, he has been sued for uh, sexual abuse by one of the girls who was under the control of Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, the, the lawsuit, as I believe, was filed by Virginia Roberts Guffrey, and it was filed yep. in federal court in New York. Um, and it's almost two years to the day after Epstein died in, in jail, which is a little funny, actually. Um, 
so yeah, so he is he is facing those allegations. Um, and from what I understand, he is he's he's happily engaging with the authorities on this. Is well, that he, correct? He's um, he so far has refused uh, to be interviewed by the FBI or other authorities. And he's, uh, he's not remotely. And he's not setting foot in America, is he? He's not setting foot in America, and the reason that we know that, like, uh, apparently, it would have. This is one of these weird things where it's like royal family watching. That, like, the reason you would know whether someone is in or out of favor is whether or not they get to keep their hat. Um, and the reason that we know that the queen uh, still wants to protect her son is that he gets to remain a colonel of the Grenadier Guards. Which, and if you remember, there was all this. When was that? We talked about it when when it was a thing. Uh, there was some other royal event, and there was an argument. Oh, it was the funeral of Prince Philip, and he wanted to wear his outfit of an air commodore or something. And somebody else said you can't because you're an alleged children's entertainer. So, like the whole thing in this modern democracy that we live in, it's just like we have to look at which hat the guy gets to wear. Air um, commodore is not a real thing, like. Uh, well, he is a the royal family of... isn't necessarily a real thing either. If you really want to analyze it, so <laughs> yeah, but air well, commodore though. Yeah, sorry, no, I got it slightly wrong. He's commodore in chief <laughs> of the fleet air arm and honorary air. Commodore oh, that, oh, that, that sounds much more re- real, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that makes it so much better. That that doesn't yeah. read like something pulled from like steampunk young adult fiction. <laughs> <laughs> How much cooler would our military and our royal family be, though, if they were steampunk? Not oh very. my god! Oh my god! I've just realised, Rob, you 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 are that nerd. I, I'm I'm now picturing a teenage Rob in fucking oh, goggles. I, oh no! I was not, no yeah, no, no, tell no, us think... tell us about your chap hop albums. <laughs> no, I can I can faithfully promise with my hand on the communist manifesto that I was never a steampunker. Uh huh. Mm. <laughs> But apparently, like, even the, even the military thinks that this is a bad idea. And, like, there's been a number of leaks over the last couple of days from, the, from like, various higher-ups in the military that, that everybody agrees that he should, just get, like, get the fuck out. And even sources close to Prince Charles, which you should read Prince Charles, but, you know, the game the media plays, uh, has said that the issue of, well, Prince Andrew in general, I suppose, was causing unwelcome reputational damage to the institution of the throne with, a, with quote, hideous regularity, which I thought was quite... <laughs> um, and that even Prince Charles has decided that uh, uh, Prince Andrew is an unsolvable problem. I, I wouldn't say it's an unsolvable problem. I think I don't think it's an unsolvable problem. They had an unsolvable problem 20-odd years ago, didn't they? And they managed that one thing. <laughs> Uh, I love I love when we're just in sync, David, and our brain waves are making the, sh- the shape the same shape of a car going into a French tunnel. Um, I just like that. Uh, I just like that all the fucking like stuff about this is like, oh well, it's tough for the Queen because he's causing a lot of like reputational damage, as if like you know, it's like it's just purely a fucking PR concern, and he's not leaving a trail of entertained kids behind him. You know what I mean? Fuck's sake! Allegedly. Um, no, we've but, been over this. That does not cover us. Yeah, that's I know. Yeah, I know. Stop saying it. I, I still, I still expect what Jamie said there to be. Good. <laughs> you can't. Stop saying allegedly. Says the man who keeps saying that Prince Andrew entertains kids. He does. Oh. <laughs> You're on the edit, by the way. So good luck. 
have it done in 20 minutes, to be honest. Like, you know what I mean? Still this, um, this, this is a video of the chimpanzee being handed the AK, to be totally honest, David. I'm not sure. Like, are you really sure on this one? Oh, um, yeah, I'm sure. But no, I mean, it's like, you know, do not, do not talk to me or my big alleged entertainer son ever again. Um, is essentially what this is. I just you told know, you, do- you can't just say that. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's it's. A, I mean, of course, it's a fucking ridiculous situation that a this fucking clown because of his title and the magic uterus he shot out of just gets to escape any form of, of serious justice. B that we have to find out not through like a, a, a controlled medium where you know there are some input from even a vaguely democratic process of any kind and see that it has to go through the medium of military hats like this is just it's a fucking intolerable situation i don't understand i mean i come up from a country with a stupid royal family as well but they're not this bad and they're not this you know i bet uh, they are though. Uh, yeah well i i couldn't possibly speculate uh, <laughs> but it depends how many of them were friends with jeffrey epstein <laughs> I don't know. I could ask people, but I'm not sure I'd get an answer. Oh, David, David, sorry, that's terrible. Look, you're trying... You're, saying that being friends with Jeffrey Epstein has certain implications is terrible. You've got to remember... I, I, I didn't make of, any most, implications. I just said what he is. Was. Well, I mean, most of high society were in Jeffrey Epstein's black book. That doesn't mean anything. Except that they all entertain kids. I mean... <laughs> The only thing I'm willing to put a sizable bet on with regards to the Dutch royal family is that probably more members of them have blacked up than in the English royal family. That's all I'm going to say. I am I am going to say that's probably a closer run competition than you think. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's probably entirely true. But shall we move for the uh, slightly ridiculous to the slightly more worrisome i think at this point i'm willing to call it sorry yes. that was that was ridiculous and not worrisome jesus christ yeah, <laughs> yeah was really yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay let's go so the next thing i wanted to talk about is uh, something we discussed earlier with sinan in, in episode 95 about the um shortage of lorry drivers which is now expanding into a bigger crisis for i think uk supply chains but specifically to do with the food chain um there's a combination of different things, mainly the aforementioned lorry driver shortage, but also Brexit paperwork and the impact of Corona and the you know, quote unquote pandemic uh, that are now leading to some really fucked up issues. The first one is to do with poultry. Now, you, you know, you would like why would we spend time talking about it? Because poultry, i.e., mainly chickens and turkey, are about fifty percent of all meat eaten in the UK, um, which is you know, not just employs a substantial number of people, but of, of course is very much to do with how people feed themselves every day. Um, and first off, the shortage of lorry drivers means that uh, right now a lot of chicken farmers are having to kill the animals and essentially landfill them on the farm because they can't be transported. Um, poultry farms work on such like tiny plots and small margins that they can't physically or financially keep uh, a batch of chickens that's ready for slaughter and processing. They have to essentially, when they're done, the lorry needs to come and pick them up. And Most efficient the- system of distribution. Mm. Yeah. Compounding this problem on the farm is the fact that a lot of farm workers used to come from the European Union. Um, and not only was it farm workers, it was a lot of people that processed uh 
the chickens and by process i mean slaughter take apart put in box ship out the door um there's about a 10 to 20 percent staff shortage across the eu because eu workers that mainly used to come from eastern europe are now classed as low skilled so they don't get the visas required to actually come here and do the work that we've essentially stopped doing mostly for for a long time now um and that means the meat industry is hugely short of of workers uh and because you need to raise turkeys and chickens like about six months in advance so they're ready for for chicken uh, or, so they're ready for for christmas um uh, means that there's a good chance that the turkey you i hope you don't because turkey is gross but you know if you want to order a turkey for christmas there's a good chance maybe it's wrong it, is is um is not available because farmers right now aren't sure that the trucks are going to be there come december to take the turkeys to slaughter so there could be like a 20 percent cut in the amount of available turkeys for christmas and i don't know if that's good or bad because like you could say well it's just overproduction i'm sure that. i'm sure the british public will handle that with like a, a, an entirely rational <laughs> and proportioned response Do yeah I, mean? as, as, I don't think at all they'll all be buying like six turkeys and fist fighting in tesco's <laughs> no, Nando's has run out of chicken. <laughs> it's, uh, Do you know what, actually the, the funniest irony of Nando's running out of chicken is the one person that wouldn't bother is Anna Subri, who was always raging about Brexit because she bought a salad in the cocktail dinner. <laughs> yeah. well, it's, you know Nando's, what I mean? it's Nando's own fault for letting Jeremy Corbyn vote Brexit in there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you know. Honestly, David, the fact that you know that minutiae about Anna Soubry is the least surprising thing <laughs> I ever heard from you. Just yeah. like, yes, of course. David has their entire like. Rob has their plating style memorized, but David has their orders memorized. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I, I'm, I'm going to say that like the fucking the online left gives far too much of a shit about every one of those idiots from change uk quite frankly like yeah probably but like i mean you need some light in these dark times and seeing people who are just utterly fucking awful just fuck themselves from a great height is you know it's one of the redeeming features of of yeah one of the few slowly melting candles that we have left um, anyway, <laughs> but so so about, Rob, you you were telling us that basically our chickens are coming home to roost, except yeah. literally not. Well, I mean, and speaking specifically of Nando's, they have um, asked or repurposed seventy of their staff to go work in like a chicken processing plant to pack chickens. In that boxes, sounds so like it's in the fucking job description. What the yeah, fuck? Doesn't it just? Um, but they've had to close. I think ten percent of their restaurants now because of the shortage. Uh, KFCs have love to do problems. love to do like Nando's triage. You know what I mean? I bet <laughs> I bet some fucking prick at head office is having the time of their life with this. They've got like a fucking map of the country with little fucking yeah, figures yeah. on it representing each Nando's employee <laughs> and just pushing them around with those big shuffleboard sticks they use in war movies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Some some middle management dickhead is going to be is finally you know that weekend off he took to do uh, crisis management. You know, paying off in spades right now. You can just see having it to, having to like organize a staged retreat of Nando's staff just like back down the country. <laughs> do you know what I mean? A- a- examining piri piri sauce supply lines and making sure that they're uh, the Hebrides. You know, the Hebrides has to close all their Nando's so that the staff can fall back to like the borders and still, like, staff the chicken processing plants. 
And um, it's, you know what I mean? mean? Like someone's going to make like a panicked phone call in a few weeks' time to say that Wimpy is like a column of Wimpy is advancing through the fucking Midlands. <laughs> <laughs> the great chicken wars of the 2020s erupted without any real warning. I, I, I don't know about I don't know about you I don't know about you lot, but I fucking love to live in interesting times. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, great. It's, yeah, it makes for good podcasting material at least. And I mean, does it though? Yay. Sorry, I just I can't I can't get over the image of Nando's as Napoleon at Waterloo when suddenly KFC comes over the hillside. Just fantastic <laughs> scenes, loving it. <laughs> uh, I mean, are you, no, I, specifically, say, well, I specifically picked Wimpy because they're not a chicken, another chicken restaurant. But surely, like if, surely, if the problem but, is if the problem is there's no chicken, then like KFC are like doomed as well, aren't they? No, no, you're well, not. They you're, are. You're not. They, they genuinely have pulled a bunch of items from their menu because there's no more chickens in their store. Yeah, but hang See, on, right? If we're having, if we're, if we're having the chicken, time, it's time for Wimpy to make a comeback. What what I'm saying is, if we're having the chicken wars, then surely it's chicken chains which are fighting over the chicken, right? The the CEO Leaving. of Wimpy is like, oh, they all laughed at me when I invented the Bender Burger, but who's laughing now, you chicken <laughs> motherfuckers? <laughs> I think it's time for like a glorious resurgence of uh, of Little Chef, you know, new outposts cropping up along all Britain's motorways. That's that's fair. as the future Britain deserves. Yeah. <laughs> We should watch it supper for this podcast. There was a couple of episodes where Heston Blumenthal tried to remodernize Little Chef, and it went about as well as you'd imagined. Oh, I, I can ah. fucking, I can well imagine. Was he like frying people's cars? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Stuff like that. I'm sure. No, he, 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 tra- he tried to turn the Bender Burger into just one solid patty. <laughs> no, he genuinely put um, uh, like a diluted version of vinegar into like a perfume bottle, so people could spritz it over their fish and chips. For the most, you know, for a table flourish and, and like, I bet you love that. So it shit. smells the best. I remember. I remember that fucking about this. I remember that that technology being invented. Do you know what I mean? I can remember like you used to go to the chip shop and they'd just like have a, a regular bottle of vinegar, and then gradually like more and more chip shop chip shops had like a windoline bottle full of vinegar that they could just <laughs> spray <laughs> the chips with. What the fuck is happening down there? <laughs> Do you not have the, do you not have that technology north of the border? No, no we, we no we don't. We've just get we've just get a wee angry woman that just goes, Do you want salt and vinegar? And then she just fucking downs the bastard. It's great. Yeah, well now we've got like we've got like squirty bottles because it's like fucking it's That's easy. tragic. This is the the Ajax of vinegar technology. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I mean so you you'd su- suspect that the answer to all this like staff shortages in the poultry business much like the staff shortage in the lorry drivers is um, to pay is, people more yeah but that's not the answer because no they it's not the because the, an- the answer is to like fuck is slave labor and the army uh, yeah and there's one more uh, answer according to the poultry council we are already in such deprived areas where people look for work most people don't want to move to the areas where we have work so uh there's no chance of even with extra money, they wouldn't come to work in the, in the well, house of chicken slaughter. Maybe if your job wasn't shit, people would want to do it. You know what I mean? That's like that's the fucking parable of modern living, really, isn't it? If, <laughs> yeah. if the job yeah. wasn't shit, people might want to turn up. 
It's always like, yeah. oh, like fucking kids today don't want to work. In my day, we used to turn up and we used to do a solid eight hours of licking the boss's boots. And it's like, yeah, because like, <laughs> you got paid like fucking, do you know what I mean? Like way more money comparatively. Yeah, you, you could got, buy you a got, house with your yeah, shitty you got your own, You got your own house and, your, and dignity and stuff. And we've got like zero hour contracts and just fucking, you know what I mean? Like, and, and if you if you got fired or like whatever, you could just go on the fucking dole. Whereas like now you have to fucking turn yourself over to like workfare or some shit yeah i mean the, the other thing i wanted to which i thought you already referenced the um that they're exploring how to use more current inmates and ex-offenders uh in in the meat processing industry the other th- th- thing that i found quite hilarious in that guardian article about it is they, is it like you know line... how you know how the the stereotype is prisoners making like number plates or they're just going to yeah. put like chickens through the number plate press well i mean that is how you get the chicken nuggets because they're of what is it four or eight predefined shapes all chicken nuggets are essentially the same they just look different in the bucket what is this genuinely true there's only like no it fucking isn't you just literally like hallucinated this this. (laughs) (laughs) i have done this this is did you not make chicken nuggets on a on a number plate like stamping machine (laughs) mcdonald's does mcdonald's only has a defined (laughs) number of Chicken nugget shapes. Oh shit! It's fucking He's, true. Uh, I hate this. I hate that. I know this, Jamie. It's not literally a number plate machine, but it is kind of <laughs> like it. And he's right. They basically stamp them out in predefined shapes. Give over. <laughs> no, honestly, like our world is this cursed. Jamie's going to order a twenty box of chicken nuggets later on and just pile them up in different <laughs> yeah. shapes. Forensic well, I'm examination. I'm not, I'm not because the, the, there aren't any chickens left in the country. <laughs> do you know what I mean? He's he's got he's got his bear. Yeah. Can yeah, they not? Does. Can they not just feed like badgers into that machine or something instead? <laughs> Sorry, just the great TB outbreak caused by Brexit. Just uh, ahead of schedule. Why How are would we you notice? eating the badgers? Ah, true. True. But yeah, so the the thing was like they, this bit about uh, using uh, day release prisoners and inmates and ex-offenders, but it was followed by like, after that, they are going to start contacting ex-service personnel. So I like that the rang, rungs are prisoners, ex-Arby staff, and hey, we've got a bunch no, coming home. There's no problem. Hmm. In, like, there's no problem in all of Britain that can't be solved with, by the application of our lads, is there? No, yeah. that's true. I mean, what, what do you need them for? Chicken shortage, I go for it. Firefighter scabs, I wire in. Like, I just I send in the army, fuck it, why not? Yeah, like you said yourself, Jamie, a bunch of stout lads suggest yeet it is the solution to pretty much everything. Yeet the fire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so essentially when asked about this, the government... See, I think, was... I think the solution, instead of like fucking, you know what I mean, oh, we can't get any chicken, and like apparently like 90% of the economy is chicken-based now... I think it's time we return to like great British foods. Like I mentioned the the, the Bender Burger from Wimpy. <laughs> Does anyone remember like hedgehog flavored crisps and stuff that that may or may not have existed? That was always like every everyone at school was like, "Oh, my dad said you like you like uh, fucking Tudor crisps used to do hedgehog flavors." And it's like yeah. I, think, I think you made that up, mate. Like, do you know what I mean? But I'm entirely like in favor of a of of a diet it's entirely inspired by Jamie, essentially like a whole range of Jamie inspired foods, hedgehog flavored crisps. Uh, I don't know vinegar and spray bottle, all that kind of shit. That that's not a food. That, sorry, hang on a minute. That's a that's a condiment at best. Yeah, a deluge it's at a, worst. It's a type of food. 
Who the, who the fuck is living on vinegar? Do you know what I mean? That's like... I don't know. I don't... I, don't, I, I, don't I, I imagine... I, as I said that, I realise there's probably some fucking dipshits in America who, like, drink it neat because it, like, promotes fucking some sort of, like, insane... Horse, you know what? Yeah. You know what, like the kind of people who. Oh fucking... no! Do you know? Yet again, I know this. Um, they go, <laughs> go see themselves on the beach because sun in your colon is good for you, or something. You know what I mean? That yeah, kind well, of dipshit just putting vinegar directly into their eyes so they can see no, the they, future. There, there is a whole thing with drinking <laughs> apple cider vinegar neat because it's meant to be good for digestion. Oh yeah, I know, I've heard about this. Yeah, I I know. I only is it know meant this because... to be good for digestion because it just like gradually erodes the entire lower half of your body until you're one of the ghosts <laughs> from Pac-Man and everything you eat just falls straight out. Quite, quite possibly. That would also solve the chicken crisis, by the way, if we don't longer have to eat food. <laughs> Yeah, if we all just haunt Pac-Man, that's the that's the future that Britain deserves. Honestly, I'm surprised that one hasn't caught on over here because doing something for nebulous health benefits purely because it's an unpleasant experience is kind of peak British, to be totally honest. No, it's only peak British if you're told to do it for the good of the country. Yeah, oh, actually. Or if you're doing if you're doing it to like piss off the libs, do you know what I mean? If it's like, oh, the mm. fucking woke brigade say I shouldn't drink petrol and eat lit matches, well, I'll fucking show them. <laughs> <laughs> well, this brings us quite rather neatly to uh, today's article read, where we shall discuss owning oh, the. Oh, good! Libs I can hardly fucking nature. wait. <laughs> uh, this is a piece in the Guardian, and it's. It Oh fuck! It's very hard. It's very hard to work out which one of these people I despise more and who is more wrong in this particular, uh, in this particular case. It's written by Anand Pandian. Again, I hope I pronounced that right. And the title is called "What I Learned from an Unlikely Friendship with an with an Anti Masker." So this is one of those. Oh, lips this article. Fuck. Yes. It's, it's oh lips no! Safari. I thought this was a different one. Shit. Okay. <laughs> Let's fucking go. <laughs> so this is essentially one of these you remember all those pieces um that we got when trump just got into office where they all went on like safari to pennsylvania and other places and like oh i remember all the pieces where it was like look at this dapper gentleman you know what i mean he dresses in a four thousand dollar suit gels his hair and wants to execute all of the inferior peoples <laughs> <laughs> No, this is the other type where they talk to like i don't know ex-miners or ex-factory workers why they voted for Trump. And this is along the same line. But in this particular version, it's very hard <sighs> to work out which one of these two people is more stupid uh, and more out of touch than the altogether. It's the lib. It's guaranteed <laughs> yeah. to be the lib. <laughs> it's always the lib. <laughs> uh, this is, so there's there's the author, Anand Pandian, and a, lib, and a, a conservative anti-mask pro-Trump guy named Frank. They meet at Freedom Fest, an annual libertarian Fuck conference and conservative <laughs> cultural festival in Vegas. It became quickly obvious that we hardly agreed on anything. I was disturbed by the speakers who ridiculed the livable minimum wage. He talked about high school kids who work for him uh, in southern Michigan and high wages as a ticket to inertia. So Frank sounds like a fucking winner. <sighs> Sorry, a ticket to inertia? Yes. If you're that's like that's much, like the you... worst the worst rock ballad ever. That like you know what I mean. <laughs> Frank and I face each other across the chasm of polarization. The growing tendency Fuck to off. disparage those across the political aisle as enemies and villains. 
The distrust is corrosive. The, 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 but as the latest surge of COVID attests, our fates remain hitched together, even when we can't stand talking to each other. Whether COVID, climate, or the future of democracy, our very survival depends on nurturing a sense of a common fate. Does it? Talk? So, just like <laughs> push this guy into traffic. Do you know what I mean? This this is some Stockholm syndrome. This is some Stockholm syndrome shit, by the way. I am trapped in this room with this axe-wielding maniac. I guess he's not so bad after all. Like, holy shit. Let's understand him, yeah. Over drinks one evening, I asked the bartender for a drink without a straw, explaining I was concerned about the plastic. I love plastic, Frank responded with a mischievous smile. So, right there, like, the whole game is given away. Frank's just a cunt, and his whole thing in life is to, you know, own the libs. Like, that's just his whole... Just fucking... Do you know what I mean? Like, just... How many? How how often does the Guardian pay for people to get their fucking wallet inspected by like dipshits? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, it's just insane. It's like, oh, I met this fucking guy Frank, and like I I was like I thought we forged an unlikely friendship as he repeatedly tried to stab me and chase me around town in his car, which is the Dragula, but it somehow <laughs> runs on coal. Do you know what I mean? It's like fucking. <laughs> Maybe we can reach some sort of like fucking uh, agreement over our shared future in the climate hellscape that he is personally bringing about. You know what well, I mean? Pers- well, if you thought that Frank was like a salt of the earth, I don't know, like ex-industrial no, I worker didn't. or something. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what do you think the uh, economic class and circumstance of Frank is? Just to see. If I think he's think a one. small business tyrant. He's very yeah. obviously a small business tyrant. I th- I think he he owns a business that like do you know what I mean just pays like fucking child like laborers to fucking build things out of like uh, like the 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 most toxic materials imaginable he, he, and yeah, he complains owns, constantly about regulations. He owns an above ground swimming pool emporium and he pays <laughs> the children to mix the harsh chemicals used for doing a filtration. After working a number of jobs, Frank opened a restaurant that finally took off. He's still opening uh, new places yeah. in his 50s and putting his earnings into more properties. Restaurant to a landlord. Fantastic. Yeah. Frank, Frank Rue Twentyman. <laughs> I've got shit everywhere, he said with a self-deprecating laugh as he drove me around his town. I think it comes from being What were they poor. driving it's around like- the town in, though? That's the question. It's like Monopoly. You just want to collect what you can before you lose it all. So, Frank just uh, can't. You know, I'd, love to, I'd love to play Monopoly with this guy. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, it's like Monopoly. I'm, I, I want to make him eat the fucking board. <laughs> Frank and I are each committed to ways of living that the other finds reckless. He prides himself on being an American capitalist and scoffs at the idea that our economy might propel climate change political violence or impossible degrees of inequality i meanwhile no doubt fit his stereotype of the oblivious oblivious college professor lecturing privileged kids about utopian futures while freedoms crumble around us he has tried me for this you are elite you had a much better shot at the american dream than i ever did yet you've given in to the totalitarians oh what this is what yeah one it's day, one she... day, uh, like the continental United States is going to burn down, and we're all going to be fucking much safer afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would buy that were it not for the fact that, frankly, if it burns down, they're taking us with them. Let's be under no illusions. 
I, I've uh, heard. I many... mean, at this at this point, we're basically like, do you know what I mean? Everyone's just gonna. It, it's a matter of time before some fucking like news website like publishes an article with a calculator where you can work out how many like years worth of breathable oxygen is in the atmosphere now because there are no more <laughs> trees. Well, and once somebody's worked that out, they can bottle it and sell it to us, and then there'll be a fair market rate. And that's the important bit. <laughs> um, I've heard many a tirade from Frank about handouts in the welfare state. but And here comes the lip turn. But he's also generous in his way. He's flown out from Michigan to help distribute food to hurricane victims or stack sandbags against an impending flood. He dismisses, he dismisses the risks of coronavirus infection, but he's uh-huh. also donated thousands of dollars to restaurants ailing under lockdown. So, you know, he's a good guy, really. Yeah, who's to say if he's bad or not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. As As the pandemic took hold in the spring of 2020, my Facebook feed grew dense with confusion and alarm. So did Frank's, but for different reasons. I tracked the development of a crisis. Frank pieced together a pandemic. (laughs) I noticed this only by taking a deliberate look at his Facebook page. Um, but social media well, as opposed have... to like an accidental look it was just yeah. on the TV one night and you happened to see it <laughs> social media platforms feed each of us what we're most likely to want deepening the tension between rival viewpoints I mean to be fair Jamie most people do feel self-conscious about stalking their crushes <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ his business has shifted to takeout sales, but others were folding, and he foresaw an economic disaster. I'm good with 200,000 people dying, Frank told me flatly that day, insisting a depression would bring more pain. Uh, again, why do you keep talking to people who just say, yeah, I want, you know, entire towns worth of people just keel over so I can... Because it's see. important yeah. It's important that you fucking, like, you know what I mean, that you open a dialogue with fascists to prove how That's much right. of a sensible we need to adult hear you out. are. Yeah, we need to hear out the proponent of Megadeth. If Frank, if Frank, like, do you know what I mean? Frank's response to the pandemic was, well, maybe we shouldn't, like, maybe we should, like, have just taken sensible options and, like, impose rent controls on people so they don't get, like, fucking evicted during the pandemic or something like that. They, they'd have, like, fucking called for his, like, immediate execution by firing squad. <laughs> it's because he's a fucking, like, raging right-wing dipshit. They, they need him around to protect them from the left. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, if you, you I can't, tra- you can't complain that the left are as bad as the fucking fascists if we don't have any fascists left. So <laughs> you know, it's it's just a, a sensible thing to do to try and like preserve his way of life and understand him. I tried to convince him the virus was serious, that masks were protect, meant to protect other people, other and not just oneself. I showed him a sign my family had put up at the front of her house for Halloween: no masks, no candy. That said, th- hmm, sorry. That's sad. Perpetuating the fear, Frank replied, sending a different image my way. A sketch of an enslaved 18th century Afro-Brazilian woman named Anastasia, mask over her mouth and collar around her neck. An offensive image that has circulated widely as anti-masking meme. This is what we did to slaves to show who controlled whom. Again, Uh and I think she is actually, uh, the the author is of African-American descent, so like... Why are you still engaging with someone who's clearly just vanished entirely off the fucking deep end? You know, like why? Why are you doing this to yourself? It, it does. It does offer like a, a a clear insight into the the whole anti-mask thing. Do you know what I mean? That like an image like that would be like what they're fucking using as a reason why they shouldn't wear a mask. It's like, oh no, 
I'm being I, I in my mind I'm being treated the same way as non-white people were, and that's <laughs> not good enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like this is straight up from uh, I, I believe the book is called Liberalism: A Counter History by Domenico Lucerdo. Um, rest in power. Um, where he talks about like the formation of liberalism and how it's intrinsically tied to the slave trade in America, essentially, like the American brand of liberalism, its obsessions and its its concerns are entirely the outgrowth of the fact that it was formulated in a you know slaver society. The status politics are all about not being part <clears throat> of the slave class, essentially. And so, of course, they go here. Of course, that's where their mind goes because to them, there's nothing worse, nothing more denigrating and awful than being like the people that they yeah. want to exercise control them, and power them, over. Than having the same thing done to them as they did to non-white people, essentially yeah, making it's them like, not white. It's like yeah. all the stuff with, like, you know, the, the fucking, like, dapper fucking fascist guys in their expensive suits with their stupid fucking haircuts. And they're all like, oh, well, you know what I mean? If we don't, like, if we don't execute the heretics and, like, purge the xenos, then soon white people will, <laughs> white people will be a minority. And it's like... Yeah, okay, explain to me why that's such a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> Soon after the lockdowns began, Frank got a yellow rattlesnake tattoo, along with that familiar rallying cry, don't tread on me. So <laughs> no, st- <laughs> no step on snake. Yeah. <laughs> Please no steppy. <laughs> <laughs> the Uru Levitarian. <laughs> Oh, I've, changed, I've changed my mind. I fucking love this guy. They, they, they honestly, they should honestly just transform it to "I love the boot, but please don't step on me with it." Yeah, just Jesus Christ. His social media, po- his social media post grew angrier than I'd ever seen. He was convinced the panic over the virus was manufactured to perpetrate uh, a fraud and steal the election. Frank and a friend drove to DC for Trump's "Stop the Steal" rally on January sixth. <laughs> <laughs> I will never stand at a 4th of July parade and pretend to be free again, he wrote on the way. The next day, he joined thousands of others at the rally, which he described as peaceful. Instead of marching to the Capitol, he headed home to Michigan. Uh, sure, he did. Yeah, believe it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, sure. Yes. Frank wouldn't condone the violence at the Capitol, but he also wanted me to understand why people were so angry. Treat me like a child. You expect me not to be pissed? Every day is a punch in the face with you guys. From fucking straws to sodas to not smoking in my own restaurant. Oh no! People have said, "Please don't use plastic straws." Oh no! <laughs> the end of the world. It's the worst fucking like punishment. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, you treat me like a child, but maybe don't be such a fucking massive pissy baby for your entire <laughs> fucking life. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe if, if like if it wasn't like fucking on the rest of us to constantly burp you and change your fucking nappy. Then maybe we wouldn't treat you like a fucking child, you prick. His polemic took me aback. Frank was a libertarian, and I could see how restrictions could grate. Still, I struggled to connect the dots to the assault on the Capitol. Of course you fucking did. Of course you you fucking learned fucking piece of shit. Absolutely. He's a libertarian. He just, all he wants, he's just a small bean libertarian. And all he wants is like the right to just like, you know what I mean? Fucking like enslave children for his business. And personal activities. <laughs> Libertarian. I want liberty. Other people I'm willing to negotiate on. Yes. <laughs> uh, for, uh, 
For many people, the, the pandemic revealed the porous nature of our bodies and our lives, the invisible ties between one another, the need to do well by others. For others, it affirmed the value of keeping apart, entrenching the deep histories of property, segregation, and isolation that secure white well-being in the United States. I tell Frank that we need to learn to live together, that the country and the planet needs this. I'm over this, he retorts. I'm going to build my little hamlet. Way, <laughs> Ghost, coach, ghost, coach. Do it. How can... Do it, like, you fucking cowards. How fucking... Like, sorry, the Guardian writer here, who I don't know from Adam, but, like, how fucking stupid do you have to be when you're like, well, we need to learn to live together, and the guy you're talking to is like, no, fuck you, not interested in that, fuck off. Like, at what point do you say to yourself, these people are not... You can't negotiate with them, you can't agree with them, you can't live in a society with them, basically. Yeah. They will tear down any effort. At what point does that penny drop where you go, oh, oh, I see, this is bad. Like, no, instead they write these fucking articles going, well, it's important to understand the eugenicist, yeah, and, you know? and reach across the aisle and all this imbecilic shit. And it's like, there is, you're trying to compromise with the people with whom there is no compromise. Because they've uh, just... Like, uh, well, because they, and I'm, I'm sorry to go here, because they have quite correctly identified that in the struggle for power, there can't be compromise, essentially. Like, if you have a vision that you believe in, and you're, you know, you, you really want to articulate and deliver that vision, you don't compromise it away. Which Listen, is something if, if I can, libs if will I can, never get. If I can just tap the sign, the one defining characteristic of the liberal is that they do not learn lessons. <laughs> yes, but I just I can't help but get angry every time this sort of shit comes up. But life I'm excited. I'm excited to hear about the Hamlet he's building, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> but there's like no, there's no taxes, and you know what I mean, and therefore no, no, road, no road access. No, but there is a zip line that will kill your children. Yeah, you can find us. But you can find us by helicopter. We have a suicide coaster ready to go. Life apart remains a fantasy more than anything else. Frank lives in a county with more with one of the lowest COVID vaccination rates in Michigan, with little more than forty percent of eligible people fully vaccinated. The virus will harbor in such places. That's, that's why you have to make the ship mandatory. And like these people already think that you're coming for them in the black helicopters. I say, yeah. bring on the black helicopters because yeah, it it's just like agenda make a agenda fucking agenda sixty nine or whatever that fucking shit the UN agenda twenty one. I think is yeah. Yeah, that. Do you know what I mean? It's like fucking people are going to hack your NATCO and then like FEMA camps are going to put everyone in the plastic fucking, the plastic coffin and like fire you down a fucking shoot into vaccine land or some shit. You know what I mean? Sign me up. Yeah. Uh, she has a story about someone she knows passing away from, from COVID um, who probably was a doctor, probably caught it uh, from patients who were reluctant to theft wear face masks. So many of the battles we face depend on confronting the wider consequences of individual lives, nurturing a sense of mutual well-being. When I share the story of my friend's passing, See, Frank was undeterred. If people die. I've never been afraid of it. I know it's coming. Ugh, I mean, God's that's... in his heaven, all's right with the world. Yeah, Fuck it's off. like, I'm, I am all right, Jack. Like, you know, See, it's though, fine. The, you the know, I don't care the, about people dying. The thing dying. about the doctor catching it from, like, catching it from fucking patients that wouldn't wear a face mask is in an in an ideal like fucking system you'd be able to just hurl that prick out of the hospital do you know what i mean <laughs> but in america it's like no the customer is always right yeah yeah 
And like there is I no, mean, you can't, you know, you, this woman has been on like a multi-year quest. And, you know, if you want to waste your time like this, that's fine. And it's all up to you. Hey, ho, it's, you know, your spare time you're wasting. But like and this guy's just gone steadily and steadily more insane from, you know, libertarian freedom fest to I'm going to build a cottage in the woods where, you know, the, the age of consent laws are very variable. And it's just like, why do you not just see the thing in front of you? Why do you keep chasing after this fuck? I mean, you know. Because the oppression of the left requires the normalization of the right, basically. You know, to exclude and oppress the left from political discourse requires that you essentially have another political opinion you can contrast yourself with. And it's got to be the right. It's got to be the right. Libs can only contrast themselves with the right, but that requires that the right be a valid political position, and to be a valid political position, it has to be portrayed as somewhat reasonable. Because if the, if the right is portrayed as it actually is, you see how it's actually horrific and non-functional. It literally leads to non-functional societies, which doesn't work for liberal rhetoric of, well, you know, let's do dialogue and meaningful choice. And if that didn't happen, if they couldn't do that, then they'd have to examine the only other political gig in town, which is the left wing, and the left wing mops the fucking floor with them whenever you actually get a fair well, shake. Well, and also, it would expose the liberals, for, especially for the last 20 or 30 years, as the handmaidens of the right. Yeah, basically, like, you, you can't, you know, it, it's the whole thing that if you only look good when standing next to a serial killer, then, by God, you're going to stand next to a serial killer a lot, you know? <laughs> like many Americans on the right, Frank has lately I, I, given... I think, though, I think this we should absolutely support this guy, like, starting a compound in the woods and eventually doing another Waco. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's a bit of an insult to Waco, I think, yeah. and, uh, you know... <laughs> Like, like, I'm not in favour of Waco either, like, uh, holy shit. Like many Americans on the right, Frank has lately given up trusting anything but conservative media. At his request, I've given him a pseudonym, but he's mostly given up on people like me. He faults me for defend for failing to defend our liberties and for being unwilling to leave my own, quote-unquote, cocoon to see firsthand this unmasked pandemic life. I wish I could have done this, but I have my own family to care and worry about. Now and then on social media, I run across memes Frank posts about the vaccine. Amidst the daunting new surge of COVID, COVID cases over the summer, he has found a simple way to protect himself from the spread of the Delta variant. Just plug your ears and block out the news. Like many others, Frank remains steadfast in his refusal to wear a mask or take the vaccine. He says he's probably had COVID and overcome it already. Tough, like the former president he reveres. I hope Frank stays well. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. They, they can hope Frank stays well. I'll wish him ill enough for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, sole, the sole silver lining in knowing that there's, you know, millions of people who are going to die, who don't deserve to die, who've done everything right, who've, who've taken the vaccine and who've tried to do, to, you know, to take reasonable precautions. They're going to die because, you know, herd immunity is not in developed because there's not enough people taking the vaccine. The sole, the only silver lining is knowing that many of the worst people in the world who are actually contributing to this problem are going to fucking die because of their own, like, it is, to an extent, self-correcting. Like, they will learn the hard way. So, yeah. Yeah. I hope Frank stays well. For masks and vaccines acknowledge something he won't. The truth of our vulnerability, our capacity to wound and be wounded by others. I don't oh, know Frank fuck can. off. <laughs> I don't know when Frank and I will talk again, but we remain exposed to each other's whims and disdains. 
one way or another, we'll have to do, we'll have to figure out what to do with each other's company. It's like, no, no. We how would just, how would just remove that company? This is not difficult. Yeah. Just fucking unfriend them. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a life hack. You're allowed to unfriend people on on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, just, just you know not I mean? only like, that. Literally anyone. You're, you're not only that, but you're allowed to pass laws that say you are not allowed to do that <clears throat> destructive thing you are doing. Like that, yeah. they, they could they they could remove the problems without actually removing the person by just making ninety percent of his shit illegal and then actually enforcing it. Which yeah. they won't do, I understand. But I mean, like I mean, you know, like like we were saying, like that's what they already think we're doing anyway so might as well just go hog and just fucking get on with it you know fuck it, i also not? i love the um i'm just gonna take a, a little diversion here i love the pretense of artistry going on in that column there because the beginning of the paragraph uses some shall we say florid language to describe this situation and it reminds me of fucking of all things uh, the book lolita by nabokov which for those who don't know what it's really about is how art so gets it's one used. of prince andrew's favorites that i think <laughs> might well be um it's the, the actual topic of that book which people miss and libs miss in particular is a, it's about how art can be used to beatify the absolutely obscene and horrific and terrible it's about how the beauty of art can render almost angelic things which are basically horrifically evil and wrong that's what the book's about and, and it's, it's not particularly subtle about it when you actually read it with that in mind um and that, that's basically what this shit is because we have a total dipshit as the subject of this column. Just an absolute asinine, ignorant arsehole. And they're being held up and kind of almost beatified, made like, oh, well, you know, isn't it an interesting part of the colour and richness of life's tapestry that we are in a society with these utter fucking psychopaths? Like, it just, it's, it's horrific. And this is 90% of what The Guardian does, to be totally honest, you know? They, they hold up the profane and write about it and treat it as though it is somehow contributing to the sacred. They hold up the worst parts of our societies, and include the US, UK, just all the areas the Guardian reports on, and try and present them as part of a reasoned discourse and a sign of healthy democracy. Yeah. And it's obscene. It's well, awful. Also, it's, it's, it's literally the devil's work. And also to, to, for, for their readership to read it and sympathize, obviously, with the author and think... I too see. I too. I am a reasonable person. I would. I would do this. I feel like this. I am one of these people who live, you know, in 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 the sphere of in the perfect sphere of reason. You know, just ridiculous. I, oh, it's like how many more times do these are these people going to have to like? Well, I mean, they'll never learn, will they? Like that's just, no, that's... Not, they'll not they'll not learn because it's an intentional ideological project. The yeah, defining no, characteristic of the liberal is that they do not learn lessons Be because they do not wish to learn lessons. <laughs> well, and speaking of people who never learn lessons, who wants to do comment or commentary? At? <sighs> no, must, yeah. we've learned we've learned a lesson. <laughs> you you refuse to learn, so that's that's not true. Exactly. No, excuse me. Jamie refuses to do work and care about nerd shit. That's not the same thing as refusing to learn. <laughs> I'm pretty uh, sure we've got him on record last episode saying that he doesn't want to learn things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, well, try, I, I try oh, well, to start on, on with comment or commentary. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, let's, let's I don't mind learning things. I just resent being taught. <laughs> <laughs> Checks out. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> During school, did the teachers at some point just like push a book in your general direction with a stick and then run away to see if you'd pick it up? Oh, honestly, the less said about my fucking school experience, the better, to be honest. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I will say that oppositional defiance disorder does indeed make for a good podcasting career, so, you know. <laughs> right, let's let's do right, this. Let's, let's do comment on with round one. Uh, give Afghanistan and Pakistan a commercial incentive to work with Britain, and through commerce rega- we regain influence over oh, these countries. What are we, are we, uh, what the f- are we going to give should, them, like, uh, fucking an Oyster card or some shit? No, I'm not even done yet. Uh, we should... The Taliban can earn Tesco club card points. <laughs> <laughs> Five thousand should... nectar points when you put a pipeline through your uh, hinterlands. Yeah, that works. We Fuck's should say we should not be throwing open the gate to China. We should, as global Britain, be taking the lead ourselves. Oh. No, no, wait, wait. We don't. We do not need American or other corporation to do so. We should just get on with it. Liz Truss is a sta- proven pair of stable hands. She should oh. be the front and center of our quest to stabilize the region. It is the only commentary way forward. Right. I, I too am thinking commentary. Yeah, it's commentary. Mm. This is Liz Truss writing on Liz Truss. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's commentary. I can't guess for paper. I will just say, I love the phrase global Britain because it's, it's kind of like, you know, my, you know, my I am not a X t-shirt is raising questions <laughs> that are already answered by my t-shirt. That's what global Britain is. If you have to say you're global Britain, you are most decidedly not. We are insular, parochial, declining Britain. Navel-gazing, <sighs> sad Britain, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the, it was commentary. It was Ben Habib writing in the Daily Express. Oh, sure. Fuck. All right, so round two. In spite of the exhortations of our diabolical government of occupation, for that is what we have in the UK, who demonstrate every day that their lies, distortion and use of black propaganda are designed to frighten, confuse and pressure us all into cooperating with their heinous crimes. I will refuse and I will not surrender no matter what. I will not cooperate with any of it. I will not wear a mask. This is a comment, I think. Right, it's a comment, but I feel really disappointed because I was getting quite excited when I heard the phrase black propaganda, and then it <laughs> just, you know, got to disappoint the anarchists in me, don't you? Um, this yes, is it's either... a comment, and... Yeah, th- th- this is either comment or... Yeah, I Alison agree, this is face. either... <laughs> Sorry, what? This is either a comment or it's Alison Pearson. Uh, it's not. It's Harry Hopkins writing in Conservative Woman. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck's sake! No, it's not called Conservative Women anymore. We need to have an embargo on that fucking website because it's not real. It's not real journalism. It's just some fucking dipshit like running a blog. Do you know what I mean? If it was only one dipshit, it was a blog and I wouldn't do it. But it's got a cast of characters and therefore it, you know, falls within the spectrum. (laughs) All right, well, fine. Right, I'm going to start. I'm going to start getting fucking quotes from like fucking, do you know what I mean? Gamerant.com and fucking... comicbooknazi.org and shit like you know if the if the, the floodgates are open yeah. well, legitimately i would honestly think we'd have a really good like 
episode closer, instead of doing comment or commentariat, we do like a game where you read like fan comments or like, you know, those kind of like awful um, dipshit kind of reviewers comments. And you have to guess what type of property they're talking about, whether it's a comic book or a video game or whatever, oh, I thought essentially. We, I thought you meant like guess the simp, like for the, for, for the sad dads who keep like lusting after Marina Hyde articles. And, oh, God. Stuff. No, no, that's no we're gonna we're gonna poison. read out the length of a YouTube video, and you have to guess which Star Wars film they're mad about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jamie, honestly, it'd be better than comment and commentary. But anyway, round three. <sighs> right, so the British military was spectacularly successful in Afghanistan. Very few troops. With very many restrictions on how they could engage with their enemy. Oh, not the commentary. Taking and controlling vast areas of territory. Oh, if Continue. only we let them scalp people, we would have won this war. <laughs> well, we did let them do that. <laughs> it's it's like this is a factually untrue comment. Therefore, I don't know. I mean, it's this so is, nakedly this is Marine A writing in the Times. <laughs> 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 yeah, commentary, at Rob. David, I called it the false sentence, and it's commentary. It's not. It's a comment in the Guardian. Oh, okay, okay. A Guardian comment or a commentary in the Telegraph. It is, yeah. Thing. Yeah, we definitely like, we have a problem here in that comments from the Guardian try so hard to be like we, the idols. Do we really? Do we really have a problem here? Because mm. like, when when you describe <laughs> it as a problem, that makes makes me think that you're gonna suggest we try and solve it, and I'm fucking not. I don't care that much that I'm going to try and solve this problem you've invented for us <laughs> I'm perfectly happy to confuse Guardian comments with real journalism it's not like any of this fucking matters do you know what I mean <laughs> this, really, me really, <laughs> this game really is just a way to keep me from my dinner for an extra 20 minutes you know what I mean let's, let's not pretend it's something it isn't oh <laughs> In that sense, it's a really good game, actually. Um, <laughs> round four. The shame has disappeared. There's this massive stigma about sex work, the OnlyFans guy tells the beep. There oh, isn't, though, God. and that precisely is the problem. Rehabilitating the stigma of pornography and prostitution, or at least rehabilitating the moral judgment of these things as wrong, is, in my view, one of the most important humanist challenges of our life. Is there sound where Fucking... they can... Fucking swerfs. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, this episode really is precision calibrated to piss me off. Like, in a way that <laughs> previous episodes have not been. Um, This feels like commentary. Was that, was that mm -hmm. like, was that even like a, a negative? Because that, that, you know, humanist challenge, that sounded very much like we should just, like, not be ashamed of, like, cranking it out to fucking <laughs> porn. No, they were saying the opposite, Jamie. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I shame wasn't is really. Good. Most, oh, right, okay. Well, I, well, I, I should listen, shouldn't I? You know what I mean? Uh, let me guess. Polly, Tony B and The Guardian. Something like that. I'm David. saying it was Anne Widdicombe. Anne Widdicombe? Jamie? Sorry, what? Is this comment a commentary? <laughs> oh, right, yeah, that. Um, oh, I, I don't care. Do you know what I mean? Does dinner smell, I does dinner be, smell particularly, I just want smell fucking particularly good, Jamie? Yeah, just after me scran. Just fucking, let, let's just wrap this up. Well, I'm surprised that <laughs> none of the three of you got close because it is Mr. Forehead writing for Spike Online. Uh, oh, fuck's sake. The man who must be contrarian about everything all the time, always. Fuck's sake.
All right, one last round, and then J- Jamie can go and get can go get his dinner. Uh, round five: Are liberal Taliban, who claim to worry so much about the fate of <laughs> Afghan girls, drove millions of women out of their homes so that they would rapidly, happily raise their own children if they could, to drudge all day in call centers in such places for a pittance that pay for the ropey childcare that they must use? They destroyed lifelong marriage, depriving count- uncounted British boys of their fathers and dumping multitudes of children in care homes whose very name was a mockery. I'm sorry, you're like going to have to repeat everything after liberal Taliban, to be honest. Like. Famously in favour of women's liberation, the Taliban. Oh. The liberal Taliban, fuck off. <laughs> Is it commentary I don't know. Uh-huh. It could be. It could be. Fuck it. It could be literally any cunt. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm. <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna go with comment, but more in hope than expectation. <laughs> yeah, commentary out. Why not? You're yeah, correct. That was Peter Hitchens writing in the Daily Mail. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking course. <laughs> oh, Jesus, man. Oh, incredible! Fucking it's... hell. Yeah, it's part of a longer, much more depraved piece that I almost picked as the reading series for this week, but I thought I would be merciful and we talk about Melts instead. Oh, Jesus fucking, fucking hell. Christ. All right. Okay, um, so, yeah, Scott Paul next week then? Yeah, well, not for me, but for other people. All right, no worries. Well, in that case, um, we'll... We'll leave you to nurse the psychic wings and we'll we'll see you next week. Um, subscribe to us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash PraxisCast. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm going abroad again, so I could pick up a host of new interesting diseases. Yes, please do. Um, <laughs> all right. You. <laughs> You're welcome. Right, catch you pa- later, folks. Patreon, a bonus for patrons, Rob's particular sickness of the week. <laughs> yeah. Bye. There's not a cough in my mouth here. That's all I'm Bye. saying. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> I'm stopping the recording now. <laughs> oh, that episode was a shambles. <laughs>